This is the Career Geek Podcast, episode number eight, in which we'll be hearing from comedian Two Griffin. On today's episode, we hear from yet another Midfur guest of honor, the amazingly talented comedian Two the Ranting Griffin. Incredibly funny guy. I really have to thank Two for being an amazing performer, being an amazing guest of honor, and for taking the time to do this interview. Anyhow, let's go to it. So Midfur is over. Uh, it was it was amazingly busy. So I unfortunately didn't get a chance to talk to to during the convention. But he's been awesome enough to uh, come together and uh, have you know st- take the time to talk to me uh, today, a oh, couple sorry. of days after the convention. Probably probably a better idea that you did honestly because uh, like you said it was uh, very busy at the convention and uh, with uh, people buying me uh, beer. Every other second, um, I really was in no mood to actually put together a coherent thought while I was uh, at the convention. So, yeah, it's uh, it's fortunate that I, I stayed around after. And uh, and uh, but yeah, the convention was amazing. It was a lot of fun. Well, to, for those of you who aren't furry listeners, uh, and I'm assuming that's a lot of you, uh, Two here, uh, otherwise known as the Ranting Griffin, is a very uh, successful and popular uh, comedian in the furry community. Uh, oh, shucks. But you also do uh, co- comedy shows outside the furry fandom, yes? Actually, yes. Uh, I um, about Only about half of the, uh, the work that I do is in uh, the furry fandom particularly. Uh, I do a lot of work in uh, also um, atheist... Uh, I am an atheist, and uh, there are a lot of uh, atheist conventions in the United States I speak at. Um, I've done some political work. I've uh, been uh, keynote speakers at uh, at uh, particular rallies for certain pol- politicians here and there. I'm, I'm a social commentator, a uh, radio show uh, that, I, that I've had for since 2003. And, uh, two Cents, you mean, yeah? Yes, Two Cents. And um, which is turning into a television show now, actually, oh, nice. based out of Los Angeles. And uh, I uh, basically, I, I, I've done... Uh, performed comedy, uh, stand-up comedy shows at, at universities and uh, uh, comedy festivals and things uh, uh, at this point, actually, all over the world. So it's been a uh, very interesting, stressful, uh, yet fun ride. <laughs> no worries. And it's not just a hobby. This is what you make money. and Yeah, it started out as that. It, it yeah. started out as, you know, why don't I just, uh, you know, do this thing that I think would be funny. And... Um, it became more popular than I ever thought it would be, and uh, that that was the the beginning rants, the uh, the audio rants I used to make, uh, put them on uh, online, and that turned from those into more rants into my uh, you know a comedy show here and uh, a presentation mm-hmm. there, and and oh. now I'm I'm booked, I'm just booked up. I don't mm-hmm. know how it happened. So I just got to uh, do a bit more exposition uh, for non-furry listeners. Uh, Two has a number of uh, rants on various topics on his website, oh, yeah. uh, which we'll link to. Oh yeah, yeah. But um, so, when was the last time you uh, worked a, a, another full-time job? It wasn't comedy. <laughs> God. Um, I, I try not to think about that. Um, I think my last job was probably uh, around twelve years ago. Um, wow. I was uh, uh, the the last time I wasn't doing comedy work. Uh, it was about twelve years ago. I was a delivery driver for um, I think an international delivery company called DHL, um, and I basically uh, picked up the envelopes out of the uh, the the bins that you stick them in and and routed them and then drove them back to the main station and put them in a box and then went home. That was my job. Oh, nice. <laughs> and, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's hard to uh, hard to develop you know 
a comedy mentality when you're when you're doing that. But yeah. uh, I was actually doing that to make men's meet, uh, ends meet because um, I was at the time um, the main thing that I did back then was uh, to make money was uh, being in rock bands. This was like you know er, uh, mid. 90s late 80s hmm. and uh i was i was a guitar player a lot of times in rock bands so um making ends meet i i took a few uh smaller jobs that were no fun but and i'd pay the rent hmm. you know so for the last 12 years comedy has been your main source of income yes very nice yes it has however what honestly are the challenges people are going to have to uh, face if they want to be a comedian okay it, well honestly if you want to be a stand-up comic um well, very first is the challenge of uh, the material uh, that you're writing because it's you, you find the more you do it, uh, the more meticulous it really is to engineer a laugh. It's it's not as as easy as it might seem. You have to have a lot of good timing uh, in your writing. Uh, the writing is 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 a main focus, and that can take. I, 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 that's one of those things that it. You know, it takes a lifetime to master. You know, yeah, I, you can always learn from that. If you, even if you're doing it for a hundred years, you're going to learn something new every show. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, there's also the factor of actually getting shows, um, which entails being turned down a lot. Uh, you have to find, you know, out where you're supposed to be writing. I mean, here you are. You're a comic. You have some good materials. Now what? Well, there's nobody to tell you what to do. You have to figure it out. You have to figure out. You have to get a hold of, you know, the booker at your, you know, nearest comedy venue and and haggle with him a little while, and then find out you just lost a job because you didn't build a press pack to send to him first. So holy crap, you build a press pack and you send that to the next guy first. And there's an evolution over you know learning how to actually get into clubs and get into things like this. Um, that that's rather difficult, and uh, there is a certain level of PR, uh, public relation, that you always have to do, um, mm. which takes up a lot of time. Uh, if you enjoy it, great. Uh, but even if you do enjoy it, it's it's still quite a bit of work, and it's it probably takes about half of the time that you're going to do anything is going to be um, office work, just stuff that you really honestly wish you could pay some poor college student, you know. 20 cents an hour to just come in and, and do this stuff, but you have to do it yourself. Mm. You know, any, anywhere down to shipping, you know, if you wind up making a DVD, shipping your own DVDs for a while, boxing them up and shipping them out yourself. And, and uh, at first, it's a lot of hard work, just a lot of grunt work that you'd almost find in an office somewhere until you get a certain level of recognition where people will start taking over these little jobs for you and can concentrate more on your material. So you don't have an agent or anything like that? Do, do, do most comedians have agents? I don't, I'm not sure. Um, most successful ones do, yes. Uh, I, have, uh, I have an agent. Um, he's been a fairly recent addition. Um, I about, I've had him for about two years now. Hmm. Uh, and I didn't get a distribution company until about four or five years ago. Um, and those two things have really taken a lot of the burden off of me because – there was a point where I was spending half my time booking myself and shipping uh, DVDs and the other half of the time writing comedy material. And if I did any more of either, it was going to take out of the other, if you know mm -hmm. what I mean. Uh, so it was good to have someone take those off my hands. Um, but at first, unfortunately, 
there's very little you're going to be able to do to uh, keep from having to go through that grunt work. Uh, ultimately, you really have to love comedy. You you have to love doing the performance because if you really don't love it with all your heart, you're you're not going to be able to put up with what you have to go through at first. I, I don't want to discourage any of the listeners from actually going for this if they want to do it. But uh, just letting you know that at first it is – there's a lot of work that you're not going to want to do. But mm. if you persist, um, then you will get to a position where it starts to become easier and uh, you can concentrate more on your art, on what you want to do, and that is the, the comedy, the, the performance. With comedy, um, is this something that uh, you can study anywhere or did you, did you just start – being funny and and just kind of noticed, hey, I'm a funny guy. Um, I I actually it took me a while to notice it. Uh, I had friends, a lot of people for years, telling me, I mean, falling over laughing in front of me during a conversation, mm. and I uh, it didn't really consider myself to be that funny because it didn't seem to be a challenge to me. Um, but later I discovered that that's probably the best reason I should do it <laughs> is because it's easy, you know, for me. Um, so I, I I began doing it, and um, as for a study, I, I've heard that there are a few comedy schools, at least in the United States, uh, where I'm from. Um, I don't know the extent. I, I've never really taken or seen one of those courses, but I I honestly think the best study you can do really is to learn how to write well and just watch the masters, watch the old. And I'm not talking about new uh, fly-by-night uh, comedians who are going to come and go in a few years. I'm talking about mm-hmm. legends. You watch the legends because those guys really have the keys to what you need. It doesn't matter if you're going to adopt their style or not. They have the timing mm-hmm. and the writing skill, and those are really what you need no matter what you're doing. And I'm talking about like old uh, like Bill Cosby, uh, Lucille Ball, um, Carol Burnett, um, who else? Uh, the old Monty Python gang. Mm-hmm. Uh, those guys. I mean just – the, watch the greats, study their timing, study their jokes. If you want to you know, do something a little more racy than that, fine. But those guys have the basis, the foundation of what comedy was down. And if you study them, uh, then you can learn a whole lot from them. Mm. You touched on something really good then. How do you tell the difference between whether you're someone who can make your friends laugh occasionally and someone who could make a whole crowd of people laugh? Ah, <laughs> well... That- that's uh, that's the part where you have to um, take a nosedive if you have to. Uh, I've known a lot of people who they want to be comics, and I've tried to somehow tactfully tell them that you're you suck. <laughs> you're not mm. funny, um, at least in my opinion. And um, but who knows? You know, there's some people I don't think are, are funny that are making millions doing it right now. Um, the only way you can really tell is by uh, sticking your neck out and giving it a try. You have to uh, just have to give it a go. You have to go find yourself an open mic night somewhere. Um, stand up in front of people. Tell your jokes. Um, if you're lucky, um, you'll make them laugh. And if if you're not, then all you can hope for is that you're in this uh, you know the company of the smallest number of people possible. So they didn't see how bad you failed. But at least uh, you'll know. And uh, if you're really determined, then you'll improve on what you're doing every time. You'll study comics, go and try a new set of jokes, see if it works better. Hmm. Um, but that's really the only way you're going to know if you've got it hmm. or not is if you, um, you go and give it a try, really. Hmm. It's kind of like a you know sink or swim kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad I got a chance to talk to you because um, 
comedy seems to me, at least from my art perspective, seems to be something that's that's more of a natural talent. I mean, where the the other jobs I've been interviewing are things that you can study, like uh, robotics, engineering, and such, which does require a certain natural gift. But comedy yeah. seems to be really dependent on talent. Um, it, it's. I never fail to find myself trying to find some kind of formula hmm. for what makes a laugh. Um, it's it's difficult. It's a natural re- reaction to uh, to something, hmm. but we don't really know what. Um, one of my dear friends, uh, comic writer, uh, his name is uh, Jenner, um, Doctor Craig Hilton, uh, does the Doc Rat comic series. Hmm. Uh, was speaking with me recently, and he said that. Um, it's it stems from uh, all laughter stems from uh, the fear of the injustice of death, and I had to think about that for a while. And I was like, well, okay, well then, in that case, why is it that I can sit there and I can say, um, guess what? You know, babies are they're very tasty with you know barbecue sauce, onions, and uh, yeah, yeah I, I love that. You know, eat all your babies, world, because you'll. You know, get this much money. Like the other night when I was talking about how, hmm. you know, babies are like uh, they're like distress beacons made out of meat. You know, they they have built-in sirens so you can locate them when you're hungry. You know, uh, and people laugh. I said, how does that relate? And he said, well, um, when when they they sense this, it's it, there's death. There's there's some some kind of harm or or um, some sort of uh, other say uh, disaster or or bad thing. And then when you release the punchline, um, there has to be there, – there's, there's some form of relief in that punchline that relieves them from, okay, there was bad and it was doom, but now there's relief. And, you know, I was thinking about it and without fail, almost every time, a good punchline does entail some form of relief. You know, almost like um, you, you – Give them a bad idea, a, a, a bad image in their head, something that's instinctually, mm. you know, on, on an instinctual level, uh, bad. And then you relieve that in some way. And so in, in some way, uh, in some ways, it's almost like um, comics are, are people who, who make people feel better because um, they, they've, you know, they hit them in the head for, with a hammer for 30 minutes and then they stop. And, and the comics, you know, get... They get a laugh because it feels so much better after they've stopped whacking around the head with a hammer. I, I, I don't know if that's – but th- that's what it kind of seems like. You have, to, uh, you have to drop them down. You have to sink them to some place uh, on an instinctual sort of level to be able to bring them back up. And when you pop them back up and, and relieve that, the reaction seems to be a laugh, and, which is very interesting to, as a comic to me uh, about what makes a laugh. And I – I'm going to have to take that under you know, some serious consideration because it's it's a very valid, I think, theory. I'm going to have to look into that some more. Mm, that's some great stuff there. I was, I'm also really curious. Is there any such thing as comic theory? I mean, there's 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 the term punchline, but is there any solid terminology that all comics go? This is a good formula for a joke, or this is this is structure in comedy. Uh, there there are some. We have some terms. You have, of course, you know the uh, the build up, the punchline. Mm. Um, uh, the retag, which is uh, usually that's um, generally what happens now. You know how uh, somebody will build up a punchline, and then they'll uh, the punchline will be delivered. But then after that, there'll be even a better punchline that even mm. builds on. That's a retag. That's ah. that's the extra hit. Um, there's uh, most of the terminology used in comedy is 
uh, things that are used in stage plays or, or writing, hmm. um, you know, exiting, uh, upstaging, um, things like this. You have, of course, uh, uh, terminology like parody or uh, satire or, you know, these things like this and, uh, or just plain cheese, you know, uh, hmm. <laughs> cheese a lot or, you know, puns. Um, but uh, most of the time, when it goes, when it comes to the, the literary or the, the terminology that we use, uh, it, it usually goes back to to literary uh, terminology um, in in any kind of stage writing. Cool. Um, with with that much of a segue, I'm also kind of curious. Um, what are your income options? That um, not not just you, but more just kind of a startup comic. I mean, I know you make money off your shows and your DVDs and such. Yeah. Uh, startup, okay. Income is very uh, – it's very interesting. If you, if you really want to go for the big money, uh, go for the universities. Um, it's becoming a bit difficult to get into the universities. You, you have to uh, go and audition with uh, mainly the, uh, the agencies that the universities refer to when they want to get a comic. Um, but that, if you are truly wanting to um, get some income, that is uh, where you should go. Um, if possible, because universities generally have a, a rather large entertainment budget for their students, and they're they're very willing to toss you know a lot of it your way simply because if they don't use it generally, then they won't be allotted the same amount next year. So sometimes mm. they'll uh, they'll they'll be very generous uh, with what they're doing. Um, so what what should they call up and ask for? Just kind of. That universities will almost never deal directly with the comic. Yeah. Um, at that point, if you're going to get universities, you're going to need an agency. Ah. Uh, all universities uh, go through agencies. They're they're going to go through an agency to uh, make sure that the comic is is you know not just somebody who walked out of a, an open mic night somewhere. Mm. Um, at that point, yeah, you will need one. Uh, before that. Um, Unfortunately, for the, for a little while, for the first time, uh, you're, you're you're getting into this. Um, you're gonna probably have to wind up spending money uh, to perform. Um, open mic nights will often often have the comedian pay to perform in front of an audience, and it's because they can get away with it. Uh, you know, an opening comic, a very beginning comic, he he needs exposure, and he's probably gonna pay some money to get into it. And it's not a scam. Um, it's just the way you kind of have to break into it. Uh, if at that point you wind up getting a larger following, um, you may attract the uh, attention of an agent um, or you may attract the attention of another club owner. That's actually more likely at the beginning that uh, some club owner will be watching the open mic nights, may invite you to go and be an opening act at his, uh, at his club. Uh, after that, you'll probably wind up uh, getting the smaller percentage of the door, usually all of the comics in a night. Say there are four comedians who stand up and, mm. and do shows during the night. Um, all of them will wind up getting uh, half the cut of the door charged mm. from everybody. Uh, that that has to be split between all the comics, and of course the largest piece of it will go to the headlining comic, the most mm. famous one. You'll probably be getting the smallest piece, but it's a start, and it, it, you continue to work up from there. So at the start, it's probably a good idea to have a second job. Yes, uh, I, I highly recommend having a second job at the at the beginning. There will be a point where 
doing comedy is going to become so much work that you will have to make a decision. You will have to say, okay, I'm going to have to drop all other employment options that I have right now and spend all my time on comedy uh, or I'm, it's not going to go forward any. Or you're going to have to uh, drop the comedy or, or at least just stay where you are. Uh, there's going to be a point where if you want your comedy to go forward, you're going to have to devote all of your time to it. That's a very difficult changeover, very uh, emotionally difficult time to actually face is am I going to just you know forge out into the wild here and hope like hell that I can do this uh, for a living or am I going to keep the safety net and not really progress past here? Hmm. Um, that that takes some balls actually to, to you know go ahead and just say you know what I'm I'm going to do it I'm I'm going to go for it uh, at that point you're on your own and uh, you if you want to wind up doing comedy for a living you can't do it without that step uh, just make sure that uh, you are good enough that you're that you're getting you know the the income that you're going to need that that it's you know very expected that you will go on and will you know, you'll be dedicated enough to it to continue uh, getting more gigs um, that you can't actually make a living on it or otherwise you're going to have to wind up uh, relying on a lot of friends for uh, for sandwiches and, and ramen noodles here and there, which I, I did for a good period of time. So you said you you got your start, well, you got a bit of attention anyway uh, with your internet rants. Um, do you recommend people look to the internet uh, much to get people listening to their stuff? That That is one way to do it. I I, I can't... Uh, discourage people from that. Uh, it's become harder. The internet's over. gotten a bit bigger. Uh, the internet's gotten a bit bigger. When I first started on the internet, um, there wasn't a whole lot of people doing what I was doing on the mm. internet, uh, especially not giving it away for free. Yeah. And so it stood out. Uh, r- now, uh, you know, I got my foot in that door. Thankfully, I got off and I, and I launched, and so now I'm I'm. You know, I can keep myself perpetually going with other things, but I think I got lucky on that one. Uh, if I had to come around exactly the time that I did, doing exactly what I was doing, I'm not so sure. Um, there's the internet is a, a great thing because it gives um, anyone uh, an audience of millions potentially. Um, it doesn't it doesn't make it to where you know the uh, the audience is. Is being forced to choose by what uh, Hollywood or you know any other large recording company decides mm. that people should be listening to. Anyone can who has talent can now uh, put their their material out there in front of millions. And well, th- we should uh, correct that and say anyone who has recording equipment. Th- this yes, and they might have talent. That does yeah. Well, anyone yeah, with or without talent, as long as they have the recording equipment. Um, but uh, yeah, um, it. I, I wouldn't discourage people from doing that. It's becoming harder to be to stand out. Is, mm. is all I'm going to say. It's, it's becoming harder to do something different. Um, to the point where people are going to recognize it above uh, the rest of the white noise that's on the internet because there's a lot of it now. Um, mm. But it's not a bad place to start. Uh, I definitely would. And ultimately, honestly, you're going to have to do it anyway uh, because. The old days of you know paper press kits and envelopes being mailed around to places that's kind of over at this point. Um, 
most press kits and uh, photo shots that you have of yourself and videos or, or recordings, you're going to want to keep online on your own personal site and uh, mail those, uh, email them. Because most of the uh, the booking agents now, they're going to look online first. They're going to mm. want to go to a website instead of, you know, if you send them a, a you know an envelope now that has a, a, a disc in it, they're going to probably not. I mean, some people now who are booking agents weren't even born when they were using mm. these damn things. So you know, they they, they probably won't know what the hell it is. They're they're going to want to see a website. So you're going to have to get on the internet anyway. Mm. Um, just make sure while you're there, you spread your stuff as far as you can. Cool. You actually already started talking about what I was not gonna, what was going to be my next question, which is uh, show reels. Should uh, people have a, a selection of their best work, or should they have like a, a couple of minutes of a really good, um, good um, uh, series of jokes or, or a set? I guess you might call it. Generally, um, when you are being viewed by someone who is going to hire you. Mm. Um, they're only going to look statistically at, say, uh, the first two or three minutes. That's yeah. all they're going to see. And that applies to uh, any sort of show, really. Yeah, and it does. It really does. Uh, they're only, you've got to get their attention within the first few minutes. And if you don't, then you lose. Um, but if you have their attention and they do continue to watch, they're going to want to see a continuous set. Uh, if you send them slices with you know little... With with you know George Lucas wipes in between your you know your jokes here there oh now I'm in Chicago now I'm in Philadelphia now I'm in uh, that they're not as impressed with that uh, because it's obvious to them that you've simply cut together the best they want to see how you perform real time they want to see every little nuance mm. uh, so the best thing to do is to send them not just a cut of everything that you've done that's best but uh, to uh, send them uh, a whole. You know, thirty minutes continuous, uh, continuous that show. Long. Uh, if they if they're interested, if you capture their attention within two or three minutes, uh, they may watch a bit more. But you never want to leave them short. You always want to uh, give them exactly much uh, more than they want. Yeah. Um, because when they when they stop watching it, they'll turn it off. They're they're done. Yeah. Um, and you never know when that's going to be, especially if they're really enjoying your work. Mm. So you always want to give them enough. Um, mm. If you have for any reason um, any appearances, the best thing to do would be uh, to put appearances on television shows. If you've been on a television show, uh, take that, send that out. That is generally uh, the most impressive thing mm. to an agent cool. well, actually, or a booking agent. What about resume? How do you construct that? Should you list like um, maybe awards and shows or places of uh, note that you performed? So or? The, uh, sorry, repeat the question again. The, oh, I'm, I'm about also, resume. Res- yeah, uh, resumes. How do you construct those? Uh, basically, what you put in them? that that is uh, that the videos, uh, your material will be your resume uh, mm. essentially. If you can get, say, uh, I in my resume, I have a couple of reg- uh, letters of recommendations from. Uh, large conventions mm. in the world that uh, basically uh, talk about how I've always been on time. Uh, you know, for mm. the last 10 years, I've been performing regularly, been very easy to work with, been, you know, um, those help a bit. But uh, for the most part, um, your material is going to be what's, what's going to get you in, mm. uh, which is one of the benefits, actually, of, of comedy is that your, your resume is pretty much uh, your material, what you've created um, – and you don't have to, uh, you know, list over the 
years you've been in college and the exact things you've done and, and hope that a person, you know, hope that it'll stand out from the other text that other people have sent, um, you get to stand out on your own by what you've created, which is can be very uh, satisfying when you do get a job because you realize that, you know, you won them over with what you do. Mm. Very good. I think, uh, thank you very much for taking so much time to talk to me about oh, no this. no problem, no problem. Um, is there any uh, last bits of advice you'd like to give people? Uh, I would say if, um, actually, if you can get into the convention gig, um, that... Although I should point out that um, while uh, Australia does have a number of conventions, we don't quite have as many conventions as America does. Th- this is true. Uh, there, there are some. There are a number of conventions in Australia and Europe. Uh, there are loads of them in the United States. Um, if you can get into that, uh, I would. That's a good stepping point, hmm. uh, honestly, and it also will uh, see that you become more well traveled, actually. Which is good for your comedy, uh, because then you you wind up uh, being able to adapt your your comedy for for different places, different areas. You get a, a sense of people as a whole, honestly. And uh, yeah, it's it's a good thing to go into. But uh, the very least, if this is something you're going to do, um, it, to speaking to all the aspiring comedians out there, give it a try. Go for it for you know a year or two. Uh, if you can put up with what you had to put up with to be a, a comic for two years uh, and you still love it and you still want to continue doing it, then I'm going to say it's it's probably something you should go for. It's probably something that you really uh, could do well in. Um, and don't ever let anyone tell you that uh, that you can't. That's you. That's the biggest battle is... Unless they're right? Um, they make them not right. You know, yeah. if they tell you you can't show them, they're not. If if you really have a passion for it, then then do it. You just that's one of the things you have to just keep your focus on what you do, what you love, and continue to do it. And uh, if you if you can't do that, then there, there's you'll never make it. You just have to keep you have to keep with your dream. You know. Cool. Well, thank you very much too. It's been fantastic having you here uh, as a performer, as a guest of honor, and uh, on this on this show. Oh, well, thank you very much. Very pleasant interview. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Career Geek Podcast, a series of interviews with professionals working in all kinds of fields and industries relevant in some way to geeky interests, in the interest of learning about how exactly you get into these kind of awesome jobs. This is also a spin-off of the Canned Geek Podcast. Now that podcast is an hour-long discussion show of geek culture and news with myself and two other hosts, and you can find episodes of that podcast as well as more career geek interviews at www.cangeek.com, or you can subscribe on iTunes and follow the feed of both podcasts on there. And you can also check out cangeek.com for the most comprehensive and up-to-date guide to geeky conventions, meets and events happening in Australia, New Zealand and Tasmania. These episodes of Career Geek have been recorded during and after Midfer, which is Australia's furry convention which was held from December 3rd to 6th, 2009 and is held every year in Melbourne in December. See, I began this project because two things converged in my mind. The first was that I noticed just how many members of the furry community worked in awesome and geeky professions. Robotics, special effects, animators, scientists, there's furries in those industries and more. The second thing was that I've been pursuing my own career aspirations and pondering questions along the lines of Am I employable in my field? 
So Career Geek is aimed at high school students, uni students, and really any geek who went to the movies, or saw their doctor, or played a video game, and thought to themselves, I want to get paid to do that. As I mentioned, Career Geek was recorded around the time of Midfer, a furry convention which I'm proud to say I was working on as public relations and multimedia. It was a really fun event to attend and to work on, and it provided the perfect opportunity to talk to these furries about their awesome jobs. So I'd like to thank my fellow board members, the volunteers, our esteemed guests of honour, and every single attendee for making Midfur an amazing event. For more information on Midfur, you can visit www.midfur.com.au. That's M-I-D-F-U-R.com.au. All the links mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes at cankeek.com, and I do plan on adding more episodes of Career Geek in the future, talking with both furries and non-furries. Lastly, and most importantly, I'd like to thank the voices behind all the people you hear in the Career Geek podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk with me and share your knowledge. Thank you for listening. Once again, the website is cannedgeek.com, and the music you've been hearing in the background is by Chicago Lolly. <laughs>